teaching series called One Church. Uh, this has been just talking about what does it mean to be the family of God? What does it mean to be the body of Christ? And what does it mean to, what does it mean to be the church? It's not, not just the fact that New Life is 27 locations but one church. We are one local church of all the churches in Chicago, and we are one church. We are all, what, Chicago, the churches here are a part of all the churches in the country and in the world, but we are one church. And so we've been talking about what is the church. And one of the cool things, if you haven't been with us up until this point, one of the things that we've been doing is the pastors of New Life have been rotating different locations. And so I was here the first week to kick off the series, and then we actually had Pastor Mark the second week. Last week we had Pastor Henry. I was able to go to New Life Midway the second week, and so we've just been kind of rotating around uh, to be able to speak into our larger church. And that's been really cool for us as pastors to be able to see different parts of the church. Hopefully that's been cool for you to hear some of the different pastors and everything. Um, this Sunday, um, we're going to be hearing from our lead pastor, Pastor Josiah. He created a message that we're going to be showing for all of the church this morning. And so uh, today's going to be video. Um, this isn't, if you're new with us today, this isn't the normal thing, but it's just a special thing we're doing today um, in light of this end of this series. So to give you a heads up, next week, uh, we're going to be starting a series called Discipleship 101. I'm going to be teaching that here, not on video, and just talking about over the month of September, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And so um, after being gone in July for the whole month of July, my family being gone and now having all these other pastors coming in and speaking, I figure I better get back to work. And so uh, I'm going to be speaking for all the month of September, I promise. Um, for some of you, that's great. For some of you, it's like, oh, it's, it's kind of a nice summer. Um, well, uh, don't tell me who you are. Um, and so, in light, but all that to be said, really excited that Pastor Josiah um, put this together for us. And I know he has a really uh, burden on his heart he wants to share with all of our church. This is our lead pastor of all of New Life. And so there's no point in clapping or anything because he can't hear us. But uh, let's hear what Pastor Josiah has. It's so good to be with you today. My name is Pastor Josiah. For those of you that don't know me, I have the privilege of being the lead pastor over all of New Life. And man, it has been great going through this one church series. I've been able to visit some different locations. I've been able to connect with our pastors. I hope it's been good to be able to have some different pastors rotating across New Life and for us really to be able to realize the amazing uh, history and the amazing reality of what New Life is today. 27 different locations all across Chicagoland area and this message is going to be playing to all of those. So I'm so excited to be with you and just to be able to share my heart a little bit with you this morning. Would you pray with me as we dive into the Word of God? Lord Jesus, you are the head of this church. You are the one who is guiding us and leading us. And this morning, as we dive into your word, Lord, we pray that you would stir our hearts, God. Stir our hearts, Father, to reach Chicagoland area, God, to reach Chicago, Father, that we would really understand our identity and our calling, Lord, and would live that out in you, Lord. We pray all of this as one church meeting all over Chicagoland area. We pray this in your name. 
amen and amen. Well, a few years ago, my dad had asked me to pick him up from the airport. He was traveling from a trip coming back from, I believe he was coming back from a moody trip. And so I said, I went early. I was sitting in the cell phone lot. Many of you pick up people, you know what I'm talking about. I'm waiting for him. He texts me, hey, my plane's landed. I'll probably be out in 10 minutes. So I head over to Midway Airport, come around. I'm out there. And I get a text from him. He says, hey, I'm out here. I'm by gate B10. I'm like, got it. Going to B10. So I drive and I'm, and I'm looking out and I'm trying to see, you know, my dad. There's like no one else there. My dad has a very distinct look. I'm waiting for the sun rays to just beam off his head just in the right way. And I'm looking for him and I can't find him. And so I text him, Dad, I can't see you. At, where are you? B10. I'm right by B10. I mean, I'm standing by B10 and he's just nowhere to be found. So he calls me on the phone, and I can uh, hear that he's getting a little frustrated now. He's like, hey, Josiah, you know, where you at? You know, I'm, I'm right here, B10. I don't, I don't know where you're at. And I said, Dad, I'm getting frustrated now. I'm like, Dad, I'm here at B10. There's B11, there's B9. I'm at B10. Where are you at? And he's like, what do you mean I'm right here? And I said, I am right here. There's literally, I can count five people and one of them's a worker. I'm right here at Midway at B10. Where are you? There was a long pause on the other end of that line. And my dad says, Midway, you're supposed to be at O'Hare. I can't tell you how I felt in that moment. And I'll be honest, he just hung up the line, and I was like, oh, man, I don't even want to see him back at the house. Like, I'm so embarrassed. I can't believe I misunderstood the instructions, and I ended up at Midway when I was supposed to be at O'Hare. Not a fun taxi ride to pay for. You know, when we misunderstand the instructions, it is so easy to end up in the wrong place. And there's a lot of different instructions in the Bible that Jesus has called us to follow and to understand. And when we misunderstand the teachings of Jesus, we can end up in the wrong place. And one of the places that's the wrong place for us as Christians is on the sideline. God has called all of us as followers of Christ to be in the game, on the field, not on the sideline. We are all ambassadors, evangelists, ministers called to do the work that Jesus has called us to do. Matthew 28 is the Great Commission. It's some of the final words that Jesus spoke when he was here on earth. And as the pastor of new life, what God is really stirring in my heart is this in this season is the whole topic of discipleship. He's stirring my heart around and saying, don't misunderstand what I've called you to do as the church, what I've called you to do personally, Josiah, and what I'm calling you to mobilize the church to be that you are disciple makers. And so we're going to dive into that today. I want to bring you to Matthew chapter 28. I'm going to read 18 to 20, and I want you to get the full essence of what is called the Great Commission or some of Jesus' final and most important instructions for us as Christians. Verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit 
and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I'm going to give you four steps this morning as we unpack the Great Commission to make sure that we don't misunderstand it and we can live it out as our calling as disciple makers. The first step in that instruction is to go. Once again, Jesus says, he came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. Jesus wants us to go. He doesn't want us to wait to stay, to delay, to be on the sidelines, he's called us to go. And going has everything to do with acting or action. He's called us to live out his words and not just to be hearers of the word, but to be doers of it. You know, I don't know about you, but <laughs> the last uh, two years, especially during this, uh, this pandemic, it started around the pandemic, I feel like people are driving crazier and more distracted than ever before. I mean, literally, every time I feel like I'm on the road, I'm like praying, Lord, protect me as I go through the valley of Cicero Avenue, Lord. Don't, don't, don't let someone slam into my car. Don't let someone veer into me. So I feel like i got to put both hands on the steering wheel. And one of the places that I find drivers to be most distracted is when they're at traffic lights. Tell me if you feel this. Tell me if you feel this, this pain that I feel almost every time that I'm driving. I'll be at a red light. I'll pull up behind one car that's in front of me. And I'm, you know, I'm waiting. I'm listening to a podcast, listening to scripture. The light will change from red to green. And the car in front of me, no movement. Sometimes you can even see people in the little mirror. They're looking down at their phone. They're scrolling on some type of social media. And, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty patient driver. My wife's always like, beep the horn. I'm like, oh, you know, be, I'll be a little patient. I'll give a second or two. Sometimes even, you know, it'll be a whole row of cars that are first cars and they're not moving. And I'm sitting there at one second, two seconds. I'm like, okay, it's green. Time to go. There's, you know, different ways you can honk, too. Sometimes there's the light honk. And sometimes it's like, like, hey, like, wake up, man. It's green. Get on going. I feel like in this walk of Christianity that we have, I feel like Jesus is giving us the honk. He's behind us saying, listen, the light is green. And as a disciple of mine, it's time to get going. Get your foot off the brake. Get your eyes off whatever you're distracted on and get focused on the mission that I've called you and get going in what I've called you to do. Oftentimes we're distracted and preoccupied, but I believe that Jesus is telling us to take our eyes off that, take our eyes off the brakes, take our feet off the brakes and to get going in the mission. This is not a suggestion from Jesus. Jesus isn't saying, hey, listen, if you have time on top of Sunday or if you got some extra, an extra window in your week or if you really like meeting with people, I want you to disciple. No, no, this is a command. Jesus is saying, this is something that I expect every single believer to live out and to do to disciple other people. You can see that in the passage as Jesus, before he says, therefore, which every time you see therefore, you should say, well, why is it therefore? You can see that Jesus points to his authority. Let me read it again. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Jesus is making it really clear. He's saying, listen, the reason that I can ask you and the reason I can tell you to go is because I have the ultimate authority. I have all power and all authority and I am the Lord of your life. Part of what it means for us to be Christians is to follow Jesus and to make disciples. Jesus, when he was leading even his first disciples, he says, he said, go, I will make you fishers of men. Even from the beginning, Jesus had in, in his mind that each of his disciples would be disciple makers. When I was growing up, and you probably felt this if you had some siblings in your home, my brother is the opposite of me. I'm very orderly most of the time, and he just, you can see where, you know, when he's coming to the house, backpack here, shoes over here, jacket off here, ate this meal over here. I mean, he's like a tornado came through the house when we were living together. And I would, as a younger brother, as the older brother growing up, you feel a sense of like, hey, if it's dirty, you know, you need to clean up your meal. Or, hey, if you left this blanket over there, hey, make sure you pick up your blanket. And when I would tell him these things, my brother would say, well, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to do what you have to say. And then he would say this. He said, you're not mom or dad. Trust me, if you had some younger siblings, you heard them say that line to you. Trademark that line. And what they're saying is ultimately is you can't tell me what to do because you don't have authority over me. Jesus is saying, listen, hey, I want to be really clear that this is not a suggestion. I have authority over you. I am not just your savior, but I'm your Lord, and I am calling you to action. I'm calling you to go. Jesus has all authority. He is over all things. He rules over all things, and he is more powerful than all things. And Jesus calls us, his disciples and followers, to, with his authority, go and fulfill the mission that he's called us to. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. See, God has given us his power so that we can go out and be disciple makers, witnesses, people that share the faith, let other people know about what Jesus has done to change our lives. So we need to take our foot off the brake and go because his power can allow us to go so much further than we could ever possibly imagine. The second step after go is to make disciples. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. A disciple is a follower of Jesus that helps others follow Jesus. In our culture, sometimes we want to just make it the first part of that. A disciple is someone that, you know, just follows Jesus. But a disciple is someone that does both. It's someone who follows Jesus but then helps others follow Jesus. Scripture really doesn't know, uh, Scripture really knows nothing of disciples who aren't making disciples. That's kind of a modern-day idea that you can you know, kind of sit, receive, get spiritually plump, but never exercise the mission that God has called us to. Let me say it again. You and I are called to follow Jesus, but we're called to help others follow him as well. And those others can be all different types of people. 
You know, Jesus says, hey, listen, make disciples of all nations. Don't just make disciples in America. Don't just make disciples in the European nations or in Africa. Make disciples of all nations. And I love that because Jesus always had in mind the picture of a diverse church. Jesus didn't say, hey, only reach the Jews or only reach people that aren't Jewish. No, he said, listen, I want this message to go out to everybody in the world because my church is going to look like all the nations and have all the different languages and all the tongues. My church is going to be a diverse church. I love the picture and the organism of the church that Jesus Christ has established. Jesus is the head of the church and created the church, which is his bride, and we are called to bring the message of truth to everybody and every nation. You know, recently I was reading a study just trying to figure out how well United States Christians are doing in the area of discipleship, you know, following Jesus and helping others follow him. And the study was actually alarming to me. A study by Barna came out and said just over one in four U.S. Christians fall into the category of somebody that follows Jesus and helps others follow him as well. Hey, here at New Life, our church, as I lead us and follow the, the, the guiding of Christ and as he leads our church, I want to make sure that we are not in that statistic, that we get serious about following Jesus learning from Jesus, growing in Jesus, becoming more like Jesus. But also, we don't stop there. We say, no, it's our responsibility to lead others to Christ and to help them follow Jesus, grow in Jesus, learn from Jesus. That's our role, not the pastor's role, not just the leader's role, not just the ministry leaders, but anybody that calls themselves a Christian is called to make disciples, this is so important that we embrace this because I really believe that this is a countercultural way to live, and yet Jesus has called us to live in that way. Let me ask you this question. If I was to say and come up to you right now in whatever seat that you were seated in and say, who are you discipling right now? Would you be able to give me a name? I know that's a challenging word, and maybe it makes you a little uncomfortable, but we are called to do this, and I Pray that each and every one of us, if we were asked that question, would have somebody that we are discipling and helping them grow in the Lord. The third step in the instruction is to baptize. Jesus says, and make disciples of all nations. Here's the next step. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Baptizing is that first step of initiation once you become a follower of Jesus. I like to talk about it a little bit like the ring. Me and my wife got married two years ago. And, you know, we actually stood on this stage and I looked her in the eyes and, you know, my lip was quivering all crazy and I was so nervous and she's standing in front of me looking so beautiful. You know, when I came to that stage, I was already committed to her. I already loved her. Um, but I needed to take that next step from just being committed and loving her and being engaged to her and go to that next level in our relationship and get married. And we said vows, we made a commitment, we made a promise before God and everybody that was watching us, but then we had a symbol that showed the love that we had for one another and the commitment that we were making 
and the next level that we were going to on our relationship. You know, that ring that I wear that lets other people know that I am a married man, that's just like baptism. Baptism is the symbol of an inward decision expressed outwardly. It's how you let everybody else know that there has been a spiritual change in your life. That you used to be spiritually dead, but you encountered Jesus and his message, and that he has taken you from death and made you alive. Every believer is called to take this step of baptism. And it's not something that's supposed to be done privately. It's something that's supposed to be done publicly. Let me ask you, have you ever taken that step of being baptized? You say, I've, I've been a follower of Jesus, but maybe I'm holding off on that step or I'm a little embarrassed to go on stage or do this. Let me, I want to challenge you to take that step of baptism. If you've taken that step, I want to challenge you to go one step further and ask you this question. Have you ever baptized anybody? You, you know across New Life, the pastors will baptize people sometimes. We're not the only people that baptize because we're all called to baptize people. And so as we, as a church, are discipling, people are going to make decisions. There's going to be people that need to be baptized and as we as a church are being disciple makers, God has called us to be baptizers. And I love that Jesus says, hey, baptizing them, he doesn't say baptize them in the name of the church that you're a part of, not a new life. He doesn't say baptize them in the name of Mark Job or, you know, uh, one of the, uh, you know, saints that, that have passed away. No, he says baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Baptize them in the name of God. And I think that's an amazing truth that we need to realize, that this is the initiation of our faith, and it's the transformation, the symbol of being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive, and God has called us to do it, so everyone that's a new believer makes that decision, and it has everything to do with being obedient to God. The fourth step and the final step is to teach. Jesus finishes by saying, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Hey, I want you to look at your neighbor really quick, and I want you to say, obey. Okay, now look at your other neighbor if you have someone on the other side and say, obey. That is oftentimes the word that is overlooked in this. Jesus is not just telling us to transfer knowledge or just to teach. That's an important part of it, right? We should be in small groups. We should be mentoring. We should be hearing the word on Sunday. These are all different ways that we can grow, right, be taught in the word. We should have our own devotional time and reading of the word. Each of us should learn not to just hear the word from other people taught, but learn to uh, eat the word ourselves, grow in the word, understand, study the word so that we can be self-feeders. But it's not just stopping at teaching people, but it's saying teach them to obey, right? It's not just saying, hey, listen, you know, as a follower of Jesus, we don't live that way. No, no, no. It's saying, listen, that is not the way that you're called to live, but it can't just be head knowledge. It needs to be the lifestyle that you live. See, a follower of Jesus is not somebody that just likes the words of Jesus. A follower of Jesus is someone that lives the words of Jesus. Not someone that just hears the word and it goes one ear and out the other, but it's somebody that says, I hear you, God, and I want to obey your word. 
You know, one of the people that I've been discipling recently, he came to Christ not too long ago here at New Life. And, you know, we haven't done um, any discipleship group in a building or, you know, that's where I typically do, or a Starbucks. We've been doing discipleship just whenever we gather together. We go golfing together sometimes, and I'm about as bad as you can possibly be at golf, so the Lord's really humbling me in that. But while we're golfing, you know what we're talking about? We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about his marriage. We're talking about what God is doing in his life, and I'm talking to him about the word of God and how he can follow it, and he's asking me questions. You know what that is? That's discipleship. Sometimes it's over a meal and I'll have him over to the house or I'll be at his house or we'll go get some tacos down the street. And you know what we're talking about? We're talking about life and we're talking about Jesus and I'm building a relationship. And it's not this super formal thing that's going on, but it's just me not just sharing the truth with somebody, but sharing my life as well. Discipleship is getting to know people, learning to love people building relationships with people and helping them follow Jesus as we walk alongside them. It doesn't have to be this big, intimidating, scary thing. It doesn't always have to be done within the church building, even though a lot of our small groups and mentoring does. It doesn't always have to happen in a super formal setting. It can happen by, not, by just walking alongside somebody, making sure that Christ is at the center of that, they're sharing the word, and that you're both Choosing to follow Jesus day by day. It's talking about marriage. It's talking about the words that we speak and the way that we treat people. The way that we manage our finances. All of that is we're learning to obey by having others teach us and by allowing the power of the Holy Spirit teaching us to obey and giving us the power to obey. Our responsibility is to raise up the next generation, and everyone that's searching for God. You know, God is calling people all over Chicagoland area to be followers of him. And more than write a letter in the sky or words in the sky for people to see the message of the gospel, he's chosen me and you to be the ambassadors, the carriers, the messengers of his truth. How many people in our communities, in our schools, at our jobs, in our city or in Chicagoland area, are hopeless right now, discouraged, suicidal, in a dark place, and they need to hear the truth of Jesus. They need to know about the light that came into the world, that died on the cross for them, that was uh, in the grave for three days, but resurrected again, and then ascended onto high, into heaven, after hundreds of people had seen him. They need to know about the God who loves them, and it's the kindness of God that draws people to repentance. I'd like to ask everyone across every New Life location to stand with me at this time. And worship teams, you guys can come up to the stage. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have a huge calling upon your life. You're called to make disciples. You're called to follow him and to help others follow him. I want to bring you back to that question. If I was to ask you right now, who are you helping follow Jesus? Would you be able to give me a name? God has called you and me to be disciple makers. 
And we don't have to be intimidated by it or be this big lofty thing. Let me tell you this, as the pastor of this church, there are things, there are verses in the Bible, chapters in the Bible, the things you can ask me about, and I don't have all the answers. You know what? That's okay. I remember when I started discipling, I was so intimidated. Well, what if they ask me this question? Or what if I don't know this answer? Or what if this? And you know what? As long as you know the basics, as long as you know the basics, and you're willing to continue day by day following Jesus, let me tell you, you are called to teach others. Say, well, I don't know much. Good, but teach them the little bit that you know. And keep growing. Don't stay at that little bit of knowledge. Grow into maturity. But you are called to help others follow Jesus. And helping others follow Jesus comes out of you following Jesus. And as we're all standing across new life, I want to challenge you that before the end of the year is over, that you would find somebody to disciple. Find somebody to disciple. That you would start to share the gospel with somebody or regularly in your life, co-workers, friends, neighbors, that you would, if you lead someone to the Lord and you have the opportunity in sharing the faith, that then they say, I, I want to follow Jesus, and then you would take that person to the waters of baptism. And maybe that's your first time and you're super nervous, but man, I encourage you, that's what we're called to do. Maybe for some of you, it's that discipleship process of leading a small group. Maybe you led one before, but you've put it off and you've been busy and things are going on. But maybe it's time you step up and lead a small group again. Or maybe you're leading a small group for the very first time or need to start leading a small group for the very first time. This is what I'm challenging you to do. Small groups and mentoring is all about discipleship. Maybe it's not a small group setting, but more a one-on-one -on -one mentoring. But you are going to take someone and as, as you grow and learn in Jesus, you're going to help somebody. You're going to just walk alongside them and help them learn and grow to follow Jesus. Um, stepping in at this point now. You know, you think about what this means for our church, and I appreciate Pastor Josiah's message so much that we are all called to be disciple makers. And him making it as blunt and specific and simple as possible. Who is a person that you can be sharing Jesus with? And you might not know the answer to that right now. Maybe you do. A lot of times that's how it works. And I've done this enough and I've been around the church enough to know how the spirit works is when somebody asks that question, who is somebody you could be sharing Jesus with? A name will pop in your head. That's probably the person that you should be thinking about and praying about. But I think there's a reality is that this is the challenge before all of our church, every location, every new life, that we would be expectant. That the idea of, hey, we're going to have a baptism tonight. We're going to have another baptism in a couple months. We're going to have another baptism a couple months after that. Are you expecting that people would be in that water? Or are you just waiting to see what happens? Because if everybody just waits and sees what happens, nothing's going to happen. We have to be used by the Lord. We have to put ourselves in a place where it's God, use me. And the reality is he wants to use all of us, every single one of you. And so you need to be asking, okay, God, who is the person 
Who's the person I need to be praying for? I need to be praying for opportunities. I need to be praying for conversations. I need to be praying for the chance to be able just to share about what Jesus, how he has changed my life. You need to be praying for those opportunities. And so we need to be expectant. Maybe for you, the challenge that you've heard from Pastor Josiah's message is to be a disciple is to be baptized and to be taught. To identify with the reality of Jesus and live the reality of Jesus' teaching. So maybe for you, it's, well, yeah, I mean, I've liked the idea of Jesus. I've been around Jesus. I'm a, I've clicked the, I'm a fan of Jesus and social media type of a thing. But have you put your faith in Jesus? Are you a disciple? Are you following him? And maybe that's the thing, the most basic reality is you need to begin following him. Maybe you have. Have you been baptized? Well, I'm not really interested in that. But Jesus defines a disciple as somebody who has been baptized and who follows his teaching. And so if you are a follower of Jesus and you haven't gotten baptized, you need to get baptized because that's what followers of Jesus do. Regardless of how young, regardless of how old you are, regardless of when that time was, maybe you've just started following, maybe you followed him for a while, but you just never did it. It's time to be obedient to God's word. Maybe you've done the baptism, maybe you're following him, but as far as learning and studying and absorbing God's word and implementing it into your life, you haven't taken that step or you haven't taken it consistently. And so the idea of being part of a group, being consistent in church, that's the thing you needed to hear this morning. Whatever it is, this can't just be a message that we just heard and then leave. One of those things applies to you. I need to begin following the Lord. I need to publicly declare that I'm following the Lord in baptism. I need to get into the word to learn what it means to follow the Lord. Because if it's one of those applies to you. And so which one is it? Whatever that is, you cannot just ignore that this morning. You can't just let it go. You have to respond to what Jesus is laying on your heart. And so in that, what we're going to do is we're going to, I'm going to pray, pray for our church. We're actually going to close with communion this morning as well. And so I know, Pastor, I forgot that Pastor Josiah was asking everybody to stand. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you, go ahead and take a seat. Uh, We were joking around at a church event yesterday that the Jobs have a tendency to make people stand for awkward, unnecessary, long periods of time. So um, it's just a reality, and we love them. Um, But while communion is being passed out, we always, if you've never received communion with us before, we always take a moment before communion is received to be present with the Lord, to feed on what we've heard in the Word, to be able to hear from Him and be able to respond. And so when you hear... When you think about what you've heard in Pastor Josiah's message, when you hear what I've just laid out, which of those lands in your heart? Is it the reality that you need to begin following Jesus? If you're not a follower of Jesus, actually communion is something you should just let that go by. That's not for you. Communion is something that those who follow Jesus remember what he has done. You need to take this moment in prayer to submit your life to the Lord to acknowledge that it's only because of his death on the cross that we can have a relationship with God. It's nothing that I do. It's everything that he's done, that he took my sin upon himself at the cross so that I could have his righteousness put on me, that I could have new life, that I can be a new person 
because of him. You need to do that right now. Maybe it is, I need to be baptized. And you need to pray about that in this moment. And if, you, if, if you're feeling convicted about that and you know that you need to do it, then five o'clock is coming. And do it tonight. Don't wait. Yeah, maybe you might have some family or friends that you want to invite. So, okay, that, in that case, let's wait for the next one. But if not, don't put it off any more than you've been putting it off. Come and see me afterwards and we can make that happen. Maybe it's the reality of the communion. I mean, uh, small groups and community. Whatever it is that God's laying on your heart, just take a moment before we take communion and pray about that. Allow the Lord to speak to you. Hold on to the communion right now. We'll, we'll do that together. Um, but be quiet in the presence of the Lord and allow him to speak to you with whatever he wants to, you to respond to. And then we'll do communion together. And so God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. I pray that you would challenge and convict us and let us hear from you. Okay, so let's be quiet before him for a moment and then we'll take communion together. Corinthians 11 says, Paul says, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. God knows we are forgetful people. God knows we are easily distracted. And we need, to be, we need constant reminders of his love for us, his sacrifice for us, the empty tomb, the life that he has given us, our identity in him. We need to be reminded that we are his children. And so we take this moment to acknowledge the love that God has for us, the death and resurrection and what he accomplished for us, and the fact that he wants us to be a part of what he's doing in the world. And so God, we come before you as a church, grateful for all of this, grateful for your love, grateful for your sacrifice, grateful that you conquered sin and conquered death, grateful God that you invited us into the resurrected life. God, I pray that you would be with our church for all of the people that you're laying on our hearts. God, I pray that you would not let up on us, but that we would have a burden for friends or family or coworkers or neighbors or whoever that be, that we can be a light to them, that we can show them who you really are and what you're really like to combat the messages that they see so wrongly many times in the media. God, I pray that you would give our church the opportunities to share and show you and that people would come to know the life that we have in you. We are grateful for the fact that you use us. We're grateful for this community. 
We're grateful for you, Lord. We ask all these things in your name, and we do this in your name. Let's receive communion together. We're grateful for his body. We're grateful for his blood, for the cross and for the empty tomb in this life we have in him. Thank you, Jesus, in your name, amen. Hey, stand with us, and we're going to close with this last song.